Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today we have a great revenge story against the people who come knocking on your door to talk about religion. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, neighbors wouldn't quit dumping their trash in my backyard, so I returned it to them with some upgrades. I live in a house, but there's an apartment complex directly behind the back fence in my yard. The entire time I've lived here, I've always found random trash tossed over the fence that has gotten progressively worse. The most annoying thing is all of the glass beer bottles, as some of them hit concrete and shatter, which makes it unsafe to let my dog run in the yard. It's such trashy and inconsiderate behavior from people I've never even met, and I finally started trying to push back. First, I tried the legal route. I reported the illegal dumping to 311 as I couldn't figure out how to contact the building manager and it was to the point of entire full trash bags ending up in my yard. They said they couldn't do anything and I would be responsible for cleaning it up since it was in my yard. Annoying, but basically also gave me the green light to throw crap back over the fence as 311 pretty plainly told me it only came down to whose yard the trash was in. So I went out with gloves and threw every single piece of trash back over the fence. Full trash bags, dirty shoes, beer bottles, used diapers, etc. These people think my yard is their personal dump, and it's not even one neighbor doing it. I caught multiple residents of this apartment complex on camera, casually tossing trash over the fence. Not even a full day later and these losers had thrown it all back over. The freaking audacity. It's not even just laziness at that point as it would be significantly easier to just take it to the apartment's dumpsters, but they somehow feel entitled to throw trash into my yard enough that they'd literally return it when I threw it back. Fair enough, two can play at that game. First, I threw all the full trash bags back over, but not just onto the ground. I tossed them all the way up to the roof of the apartment complex, which isn't easily accessible and is far from ideal given we're in a tropical climate that will make it smell quickly up there. Next, I took all the dirty shoes, tied their laces together and used a long pole to hang them from pretty much any projection off the side of the building that couldn't be reached. Also stuffed them with expired meat and dog crap. I wanted to shatter the beer bottles as well, but I decided to just recycle them because I didn't want anyone to actually get hurt. You'd think that would be enough to prove my point, but I also went behind the fence that night and planted a bunch of running bamboo. There's a sort of alley between the apartments and my fence that's all grass, so the idea is for it to grow enough to block them from even walking through there to begin with. Bamboo is very hard to remove once it starts growing. This is what you get when you act like trash. I do not feel bad about my retaliation, even a little bit. I just gotta say, this is what happens when you push somebody past the point of snapping. You treated your neighbor so poorly that they ran the full gamut of possible revenge against you. It's like a collection of all the neighbor pro-revenge stories merged into one. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, it would be amazing if you left a like or left a review if you're listening to my podcast. That said, our next story is, sign my boss up for every email list I could find. Back in the early 2000s, I had a manager that would often be a jerk to many of his employees, including me. He loved to tell people that they should be happy to have a job, gave no constructive feedback, 
it was all just how bad we were. When I got my review for the year, he had given me a 1 of 5. When I asked his boss to review my review, his boss literally said, What the freak? As he had talked to lots of my internal customers. His boss actually gave me a 4.7 or something out of 5 on the re-review because he knew the changes I had helped the team make. Not long after the review, I would be on the internet and any time that a website would ask me to sign up for their email, long before you had to opt in, I would put his work email into the field. I did this for a few weeks and then moved on with my life because I had a million other things to do. A year later, I was helping him with something on his computer and made a comment about having 10,000 unread emails. And he made a comment about getting on some spam lists and now getting hundreds of emails a day that weren't work-related. When I left his office after that, I suddenly remembered signing him up for email lists and smiled back to my desk. It's just a low-level, simple, but still satisfying revenge. The problem is, most of the time, you don't get the satisfaction of knowing it actually affected that person. You kind of just have to imagine it. So it's really nice that this guy told you firsthand, Yeah, I just keep getting all these spam emails. This next story is, Made a teacher regret her actions with my autistic son. The teacher was well aware that my son, DW, has autism and ADHD. He's high-functioning and in a normal class with an IEP in place. All he needed was gentle reminders to stay on track once in a while. She was unbelievably strict, hateful with all the students, and treated my son worse, often embarrassing him in front of the entire class. My son had a tendency to withdraw within himself when yelled at. He would go still and then start to rock back and forth, indicating a neurological meltdown was on the way. Thankfully, she never pushed him that far, but my son went from wanting to go to school all the time to dreading it. Physical symptoms showed up and he was regressing. I sat down with him and had a heart-to-heart talk to him. I was absolutely furious when he revealed everything to me. I hugged him and promised to get him out of that class. As soon as I found out, I started working on getting him transferred to another classroom and have a little one-on-one sit-down with her. Around the same time, my son's insurance dropped him. He was on meds to help him focus for his ADHD. As a result, I was spending hours on the phone trying to get new insurance so I could continue to get his ADHD meds. Going off them completely causes severe withdrawal symptoms. He had been off them for two days at the time. It was when I was taking a much needed break and taking my mom out for errands that I got a scary call from the school nurse. Come immediately! Your son passed out, came to, and his blood pressure is too high. I went immediately to the school. I told my sobbing mom to stay put. As I entered the nurse's office, I saw his teacher in there babying him and trying to hold it together while tears slid down her face. I had to fight to stay calm. The story I got was that DW had started to feel lightheaded. His teacher noticed and asked if he was okay. My son told her he didn't feel so good and passed out. His best friend, still best buds, rushed forward to pull him from the desk and place him on the floor while his teacher called for the nurse. The nurse got there with a wheelchair just as DW came too. He was feeling so weak that he needed help to get in the wheelchair. The nurse took his vitals, debated on whether to call for an ambulance or not. She called me and I told her I was a few minutes away. She gave me a paper with his vitals and other things a doctor would understand. I took DW straight to the ER while telling my mom to chill. The nurse had called ahead to let them know, and a few nurses were waiting for us. A couple of hours after I informed the ER pediatrician what happened and gave him the info, he had given DW his meds and was watching to see if his vitals went back to normal. His teacher called tearfully wanting to know how he was. 
I was in the vending machine area buying drinks. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Because of my level of resentment, I told her that we didn't know yet but it didn't look good and he might not make it. Her actions had taken a toll on him and the stress had impacted his heart a great deal. I heard her cry harder before hanging up. The moment I walked back into the room, my son and mom both took one look at my face and asked at the same time, what did you do? I told them after a few minutes of failing completely at looking innocent, my mom shook her head and DW started giggling. That wonderful pediatrician gave me a few days worth of DW's meds just until I could get him on new insurance. Monday morning when he walked into his class, his teacher promptly burst into tears and was so happy to see him okay. She also spoiled him rotten and when the other students complained, she snapped at them, y'all didn't come close to dying from a heart attack. She actually sincerely apologized to him for the way she treated him and promised to never do it again. I mean, was it a little far or maybe a little out of pocket for OP to do what they did? Sure, maybe. But the real problem here is it shouldn't take a kid near dying for a teacher to have their ghost of Christmas yet to come coming to moment. Our next story is paying me with bounced checks? Freak around and find out. I own a historic downtown building that consists of several units that are each occupied by different businesses. Picture a strip mall, but in a historic building, used to be an opera house before it was divided up by the prior owners. It's an attractive spot because I've also got private parking off the street, and it offers my tenants a really nice storefront on our town's main street. It's not a major source of income for me, so I actually charge well under what I could, and I cover the costs of heating it, which is a very big deal in New England. I bought the place specifically so a friend of mine could start his dream business, and my other tenants are also all startups by folks trying to get into business for themselves. For those reasons, I tend to be very patient and forgiving with my tenants. I don't instantly freak out if the rent is late, I don't micromanage what they do with their space, and if they get in a bind, I work with them as long as they're honest and show me the same respect I do them. So when I describe the petty revenge I enacted on my former tenant, JJ, I want you to understand that I really did try to take the high road, but he freaked around so much, I felt he really needed to find out. Basically, a tenant who had been in the building when I bought it decided to retire and close his business. JJ was one of several prospective tenants, but was the first come, so first served. He signed his lease and told me his check for the deposit and first month were in the mail. 
Being a trusting person, I gave him the keys and wished him well on opening a gaming store. I'm an old D&D gamer, so it tugged my heartstrings. He was a nice enough guy in person, always polite, but did this weird thing I associate with people who aren't as smart as they think they are. He tended to try to use a lot of $50 words to sound intelligent, but would use them incorrectly and would screw up basic grammar like Y-O-U-R for your and Y-O-U apostrophe R-E for your. I mention this because in some of our conversations, he got really condescending and he definitely thought he was going to pull something over on me. The promised checks never came. I told him and set up a time to get cash from him, and suddenly his kid was sick, so he couldn't meet. He sent me $100 through a payment app, and when I confirmed I got it, he ghosted me for a little bit instead of paying the rest, and by then we were into the next month, so he was now late on two months' rent, hadn't put down his deposit, and I started talking eviction if he didn't get his crap together. Throughout this, he never said anything about having a hard time making rent or needing extra time. If he had, I would have worked with him. Instead, it was lies and excuses and bull. He begged for another chance, paid me a little more through the app, and then mailed me two counter checks. Both of them bounced, and when I told him they had, he blamed the bank. Then I found out he hadn't switched the utilities to his name, which is required in the lease, so I had to cover those to keep the power from being turned off in the dead of winter. He was now in the hole over $4,000 with me and wasn't paying, so I called the cops for the bounce checks. They gave him a mandatory five days notice to pay or charges would be pressed. He also filed a quit notice before I could file for eviction, which allowed him to avoid court. He got the payments to me finally by the skin of his teeth, after first trying to argue that he didn't need to pay the deposit because I'll just get it all back anyway. I advised them that's not how anything works. The first full payment was the deposit, so he was still short a month of rent, and if he didn't pony up, he'd be getting arrested the next day. I also reported him to the USPSIS for mailing checks he knew were going to bounce. I also decided I was going to get some petty vengeance by legally nickel and diming that deposit as much as possible. Hired professional cleaners and a professional locksmith to change the door locks instead of doing it myself. Three months worth of unpaid utilities, maximum late fees, fees for bounced checks. I took out everything allowable by law and whittled that 900 deposit down to about $20. The idiot had the temerity to text me a week after his eviction asking about the status of his deposit being returned. I advised him that per state law, I would be putting his check in the mail on day 30 from his original lease end date not the quit date, so he'd be seeing that massive check in about six weeks. I then informed every landlord, realtor, and property manager I know in our area about him with a warning not to rent to him. So, while I sympathize with people trying to break into business, don't bite off more than you can chew. And definitely don't try to freak over someone who knows the law a lot better than you do. Honestly, this dude is lucky that he's not getting, like, a lot of grief with the cops right now. I mean, this kind of behavior is going to catch up to him sooner or later, and probably a lot sooner than they're hoping. Our next story is Jehovah's Witness and the Revenge of the Belly Button. Another story in here reminded me of this sparkly bit of revenge against the local cult and their minions. Back in the 90s, the Kingdom Hall set up housekeeping in the small town I lived in, in a place that was predominantly Baptist. To say they were unwelcome would be an understatement. 
I think we all could have gotten along if it wasn't for the door knocking that immediately started and has not stopped to this day more than 30 years in. Wednesday night, knock knock, Saturday morning at 8am, do you know the great Jehovah? Summer, winter and mosquito and roadwork season, knockity flipping knock knock. One upstanding citizen sprayed them with a garden hose. Most pretended to not be home, or dead. Playing dead worked pretty good, at least till they checked the town obituary page. This little story of revenge took place after the happy cult of joy had been there for about five years. A friend of mine, single mom to three wonderful kiddos, became their target. For some unknown reason, they decided she needed to be saved come heck or high water, and so the knocking began. At first she was polite, then she was firm. She tried playing dead, but they didn't fall for it. Crap. We commiserated and offered chocolate and coffee while discussing solutions. The hose technique was suggested. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. But since no hose was available, we kept looking. What we had failed to take into account was my friend's then 14-year-old, weird owl-loving, slightly twisted with a truly diabolical sense of humor son. The kid was pure evil genius with the face of an angel and he'd been quietly watching and listening. His time to shine came just two days later on a bright and sunny Saturday morning. Knock knock, son flung open the door and beamed with sweet innocence at the unsuspecting cult members. Hello! The cult members, surprised at the warm greeting, got excited and started rummaging for their watchtowers. Do you know? Son giggled loudly, crossed his eyes, drooled down his chin, pulled his shirt up to his shoulders revealing his tum-tum and chest, beamed a huge bright smile and said, I got a belly button, wanna see? The cold members gasped, turned pale, backed up and ran as fast as their little legs could go, leaving a flurry of pamphlets floating down onto the step into a sad little heap. They never returned. Pity. Son had more fun planned. There's a devil child at that house, I tell you, I'm never going back there again, they cannot be saved. Which turns out to be exactly what that household would want them to think about them. Perfect. This next story is returning your property. This is my mother's petty revenge story. So when I was a toddler, I got toxoplasma from the neighbor's cat crapping in my mother's garden. Who would have thought root vegetables and cat crap doesn't mix? So my mother asked the neighbor to please keep an eye on her cat when she let it outside, because it had made me sick, and so my mother didn't want the cat coming onto our property and doing their business in the carrots. Well, the neighbor's response was, you should be thanking me for the free fertilizer. Like 1. No one wants your infected cat crap in the vegetables they intended to eat, and 2. Cat crap actually degrades soil quality, so it's terrible fertilizer. So seeing as my mother saw she would get nowhere being reasonable, she got digging, and she dug up 5 gallons of cat crap. She then took that bucket of crap and dumped it outside of the neighbor's main door and left a note thought you would want your fertilizer back. So the neighbor, I guess in response to finding five gallons of cat poo just dumped on their entrance, called the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. 
but my mother isn't one to be intimidated. So, when talking with the cops, my mother pulled this gem from her hat. Oh, I just knew whose property it was, and since I knew who all that fertilizer belonged to, I just couldn't justify keeping it. That would be stealing. So the responsible and civic thing to do was to return her property. Don't worry, I'll make sure she gets back any more that I find. My mother had just told her neighbor and the cops she had no intention of stopping her course of action and would continue unhindered in her mission to return any fertilizer she found in her garden. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police in the Wisdom told neighbor that this was a civil matter and they would not get involved any further. The delight my mother still gets when she said the neighbor put a for sale sign up and moved across town, she takes that as a personal victory to this day. I mean, in general, if you're going to have an actual pet, you should be a little bit more in control of your pet. I mean, just in general, how often do you hear, if you have a cat, please keep them inside simply because of how devastating they are to the local environment. Now, if this is just like a neighborhood cat that they're keeping care of because they just don't want to see an animal die, it becomes a lot harder to control where or where not they do their business. Our next story is, someone insulted me and it was shared via screen share during an important meeting. Yesterday, there was an important and long meeting that took about four hours. My company was getting a demonstration provided by the account manager for some new updates to their software. I'd only been using the software for a few months, so I had a lot of questions and prepared some before the meeting. For reference, we had my entire department, me and one other dude, and two ladies from another department meeting the other company. A man I've met once before we'll call Adam, and his new boss, who just started, we will call Susan. At the beginning of the meeting, one of my coworkers was sharing her screen but handed it off to Adam who began sharing his. I at the time had just asked him a question in which he was responding to. During his response, his computer went off with a bing notification. As it was being shared with the entire room, I saw it and being a fast reader, I read it. It said Susan said, that brown haired girl is really starting to annoy me and quickly disappeared as immediately Adam clicked the X button. I was the only brunette in the room. The meeting went on for three more hours and I wondered what I should do. I decided to let the meeting conclude and discuss with my coworkers after the meeting. I talked with them afterwards and one of my coworkers had also seen the message too. We shared it with our manager who immediately reached out to them about the incident demanding an apology. I got a call later that day with an apology, and this morning, I found out they're coming next week to issue an in-person apology. Although I didn't do much, I felt very vindicated. I mean, these people in general don't sound like they're going to be very good at their job. I mean, if you're just going through the demo and somebody's asking questions, and immediately they're already getting annoyed and it's just like their first introduction to the thing. When customers pop up, how are they going to act when obviously there's a lot of questions? And let's be real, in customer support, you're going to get some people with some really dumb questions. Our next story is, don't believe my allergies? Fine, I'll prove it. For context, I, 13-year-old female, have cold urticaria, which means I'm allergic to the cold. Anything below 55 degrees Fahrenheit, and my skin is red and has big patches of itchy hives on it, and it hurts like I had a bucket of boiling water dumped on my body. It snowed on the Wednesday of this week, so I was in my school building at Carpool. I ran into one of the fourth grade teachers that also helped with middle school lunch. My school is both elementary and middle school. I'll call her Z. Z is also one of the biggest Karens at the school. Third place. 
She saw me and my friend inside and asked why we weren't waiting in the front of the building. There's a room in the front of the building where kids can sit while waiting to be picked up. Unfortunately, it doesn't have heating and heaven forbid that a teacher closes the front door while having a conversation instead of holding it open and letting the cold air into the room that's supposed to be warmer than outside. I told her I'm allergic to the cold and she said, oh no, I don't like the cold either but no reason to have a fuss. I told her it's called cold urticaria and that I have it. She responded by saying, yeah, okay, in that sarcastic, I know that's not true, but go ahead, continue to make excuses tone. The next day, Z was doing lunch duty and forced me and my friend outside. So I decided to prove to her I was telling the truth in probably the most painful way possible. I rolled up my left sleeve and coated my arm in snow multiple times and left it out for the rest of the 20 minute recess. It hurt like a bench by the end of it. I went upstairs to the computer lab because I had coding and told her I would be back soon. I think the only reason she didn't protest was because of how bad my arm was. Halfway back down the stairs, my arm went numb, so I couldn't feel the pain. I stopped Z in the hall and showed her my arm. By the time I showed it to her, it was at its flare peak and would begin to settle within the next five minutes, so it looked like a hornet had beef with my left arm. The look on her face was a mix between shock, horror, and confusion. It was absolutely priceless. I told her this is what happens when I'm out in the cold. She asked how long it would take in a panicked voice. I told her it would go away after an hour. She asked if anything else would help it stop. I told her Benadryl works, but it wasn't that bad and it had been worse, so she doesn't need to worry. I don't know if the shocked expression on her face was from the fact that it could have been possibly worse than what it was then, or how calm I was at the crime scene that was my arm. She insisted that we should go down to the office and see if they have some, and if not, she has some in her locker. I told her it was fine and headed back upstairs. My arm didn't work the entirety of coding class. The next day, Z took me out of Mentor and said that she would get a place for me to go to if I was too cold, which is weird considering she's normally a no-exceptions-no-matter-what kind of person. Well, after utterly ripping their facade apart after being an untrusting Karen in an adult responsibility position, at least after all that, they finally showed they have some kind of heart once they realize the consequences of their actions. Our next story is Jehovah's Witnesses. Several years ago, we're talking decades at this point, I got yet another visit from a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses. I was standing in the doorway with the screen door between us as they began their pitch. Now I do find these people annoying and try to save them, and myself, time by letting them know that I'm not the least bit interested as promptly as I can without being full on butthead rude. So while I was waiting on a break in the conversation so I could spare us all wasted time and effort, my daughter's black cat walked up next to me, sat down, looked up at me and meowed. I had heard that some of these cults were superstitious about black cats. The Jehovah's Witnesses were paused in their rhetoric upon the arrival of the black cat, just staring at it incredulously. In one of those rare, quick-thinking moments, I looked down at the cat and said, I think the remote is on the sofa. As if on cue, the cat stood up and walked around the corner. The Jehovah's Witnesses were just standing there speechless, and I politely told them I was not interested and slowly closed the door. Never had another Jehovah Witness show up at my door the rest of the years I lived there. Thanks, Missy the Cat. 
you will always be held in high regard for your actions that day. Edit. Learning a lot of things about Jehovah Witnesses. Apparently they're not superstitious about cats, and superstition is not allowed in their religion. Perhaps they were just freaked out by the scenario. Also, a lot of people answer their door naked. Edit 2. While I'm pretty sure they were Jehovah Witnesses, I cannot swear to that in court. They were dressed the same as many of the previous Jehovah Witnesses that had been there before, but I did not see a Watchtower magazine or listen to any of their spiel. They just weren't around that long. We never had any Mormon door-to-door instances that I can recall. Also would like to clear up any misconception that my talking to the cat was intended to freak out the door-to-door people. I was just cracking wise, like I do all the time. I am just not that clever. It just happened to cause them alarm, and since then I never had any more Jehovah's Witnesses come around, which, by the way, also supports my assumption that they were Jehovah's Witnesses. I consider it a happy, though accidental, side effect of a joke. After reading this story, I'm just thinking to myself, it's just such a shame that the cat wasn't named Salem. I mean, that would just make the story too perfect. Our next story is, User God is Due. In an effort to save money while going to school full-time and paying my own way as I went, I moved into a shared kitchen and bath situation. It worked really well. The landlord had someone clean the kitchen and baths three times a week. I was working two jobs, one full, one part-time, important later. Eventually, they rented a room to a 17-year-old girl whose mom couldn't manage her, but paid her rent, gave grocery money, etc. The girl had a boyfriend in his mid to late 20s sponging off of her, and by extension, the rest of us. Parking his car in our parking lot, he used her hand tag so it wouldn't get towed. He made out with two other women in the house, you get the drift. They let dishes pile up in the sink to make it impossible to do hours without moving them. They once went on a trip and left dishes for a whole week. The cleaning person put the dirty, molding dishes in their room for them. The jerk would steal food when no one was around, but we couldn't prove it was him, even though everyone else was gone to class and it never happened before she moved in. I put a lock on my fridge, one of two, and gave a key to the other user, and on the cupboards I used. Still, the jerk was a pain in the buttocks. I needed to use the shower to get to job number two on a Friday night. After he was in there for the better part of an hour, I knocked and asked to use it. He left a few minutes later with a big grin on his face. He'd had a large dump and didn't bother to flush. Gross. A week or so went by. He couldn't find a parking spot in our lot, so we parked across the street in a handicapped spot. It stayed for several days. I watched patrol cars drive past it without stopping. I kept hoping that they would ticket him, but no dice. Finally, I called the police, claimed to be handicapped and complaining about a car without a handicap plate or hanger had been using the reserved spot for a couple days. I made myself a snack and sat in front of my window to watch what happened. The police showed up. He ran outside to talk to them. I've no clue why. What I did see was more cars show up, jerk was arrested, the plate taken off the back of his car, and the car towed away. Apparently the plates were stolen, and he had a warrant out for failure to appear in court. He had to buy insurance, get a new plate, had several court appearances, pay towing and storage fees, set him back quite a bit. Neither he nor his underage girlfriend ever learned who called it in. The girl moved out a short time later, and the locks were changed, front and back doors. I hope he reads this one day and recognizes himself. 
So how much of this is genuinely freak around and find out? And how much of this is just his actions finally catching up to him? I mean, especially the detail about the plate being stolen and having a warrant out for his arrest. I mean, it was inevitable, right? A guy like that who treats things like that, who also has an underage girlfriend. Dude wasn't just destined to land behind bars. He was channeling everything he can to make it so. It tells you all you need to know when apparently there's multiple things OP could have called the cops for on this guy. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.